Voyage. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on a whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, That's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey guys, what's going on? Jack Austin here from Seven Land Productions to talk to you about Fever Dreams in our newest episode, the thrilling story about a young woman who has sheltered her entire life and in her rush to go out and see the world and experience everything, and it actually ends up meeting Sasquatch. It's really cool because it not only has this genuine thrill and terror, but heart. As the young woman's life is forever altered and changed by her experiences. So please enjoy Abducted by Sasquatch. The ancient forests of the northwestern United States are still a vast, unexplored mystery. But if you go searching for the many secrets they hold, you'll never discover them. You see, you don't find Sasquatch. Sasquatch finds you. I was only 20 years old when I married Steve Michaud in the summer of 1984. My mom was supportive as always, but my dad. Well, I, I was his baby, his little girl. And he really didn't think much of Steve. I felt so trapped back then, stuck in the small town in Maine where I grew up, and even more stuck by the way my parents still saw me as a child. I wanted to get out, to explore the country, the world, and Steve was my ticket out. I fell for him hard. As soon as we met, we couldn't keep our hands off each other. Even during that long cross country trip that was my dumb idea of a honeymoon. In hindsight, traveling from Maine to the Pacific Northwest in a metallic green 1979 sports coupe packed to overflowing with camping supplies with only my little radio as entertainment should be listed under war crimes by the Geneva Convention. By the time we got to San Francisco, both of us were ready to snap. You sure this is the right way? Where are we now? You're the one navigating. Just tell me what the next street is. Steve! <laughs> Jesus, Sarah. Are you trying to get us killed? Me? You're the one driving. You didn't see the truck stop? I was looking for the next street. Well, keep your eyes on the road. I'll find it. That was it. We missed the turn. We pulled into Bigfoot's well after sundown. 
It was a log cabin type restaurant with a big neon sign announcing its name. The S was possessive, not plural, which made me giggle a little when I saw it. Steve didn't really get it when I explained it to him, but smiled at the fact that I seemed to be in a better mood. A crude wooden statue of a Bigfoot holding a chalkboard with the day's specials greeted us as we entered. I love it. It's so kitsch. You don't believe in Bigfoot or that kind of thing, do you? (laughs) Maybe you should have checked before asking me to marry you. (gasps) Of course not. But it's still fun. Hi, I'm Dolly. I'll be your waitress. Aren't you two the cutest? Where y'all from? Maine. We've been driving across country for our honeymoon. Must be true love if you can stand each other after a trip like that. My husband and I wouldn't have made it past Utah. It's been touch and go. Just be careful camping around here. Bears and mountain lions, right? Oh, you ain't got to worry about them much. They steer clear of people. It's Bigfoot you got to watch out for. (laughs) You had me going there for a moment. Don't forget to check out our Bigfoot Museum. It's a hot ticket. I'll give you two just a few minutes and come back for your order. She's a character. She's right. She just don't know it. The strange man spoke to us unprompted. Hancock. One good eye, the other covered by an eye patch. A massive scar around the patch. Probably on the north side of 60. Grizzled, chewing on the end of a cigar that stunk to high heaven and made me lose my appetite. He blew thick, pungent smoke over us. Rory Hancock. Most folks just call me Hancock. What do you mean, she's right? Nothing. Didn't mean to disturb you fine young folk. You heading into Woolly River? That's the plan. (laughs) What? Nothing. I'd just be careful if I was you. She said the bears and mountain lions avoided people. They do. I said it was nothing. Don't pay Hancock no never mind. He's harmless. But he ain't been all there since he lost that eye. I can't hear you, Dolly. I meant you too. Stop bothering the paying customers. I wasn't bothering them, was I? A little. No, it's fine. Sarah! How'd you lose the eye? Camping in Woolly River. Dolly pretty much shoved Hancock out of there. Told us he had a nutty radio show on one of the AM channels that nobody listened to, if I was really interested. I saw the way Steve was looking at me, so I pretended not to be. But I found out the radio channel while he went to the bathroom so that I could check it out later. Dolly told us the only thing we should really be worried about was rain that night. Skies looked crystal clear to me, so I wasn't too worried. Dinner was fine, though Steve was a little short with me. Which made me remember that I'd forgotten to call my parents just before we headed out to find a camping spot. Luckily, Bigfoot's had a bunch of payphones out front. Steve got even more annoyed at the delay and waited in the car. Hello? Hey, Mom. Just checking in tonight. Sarah! You're calling so late. Is everything all right? Bob? It's Sarah. I think she's in trouble. I'm fine. It's not that late here. We're almost at the campsite. The one with the funny name? Wooly Creek. Ah, that one. Did something happen with the car? The car's fine, Daddy. 
I warned Steve about driving that piece of shit across country. It's fine. We're fine. Why are you calling so late, then? Just took longer to get here than we expected. You're being careful. Did Steve fall asleep behind the wheel? But be just like him, I swear. He didn't fall asleep behind the wheel, Jesus, Daddy. We just worry about you. All the way on the other side of the country. If anything were to happen to you... Nothing's going to happen. And if it did, we'd handle it. You need to stop treating me like a child. I'm a married adult now. I can make my own decisions. We all know how well you take our advice anyway. And there it is. It all comes back to Steve. You know, I have to go. It'll be a few days before I can call again. After we leave camp. Good night. You don't think it's going to rain, do you? Of course not. God damn it. Despite all the camping we'd done on the trip, Steve still wasn't much of an outdoorsman. It was cute at first. Now, not as much. He was getting nowhere with the tent, and we were both soaked to the skin. It's stuck. Let me try. No, I got it. Fuck. Forget it. Let's just go to my aunt's. We can dry off, get some warm food, a drink. Your aunt who couldn't even make it to the wedding? She apologized. She sent a note. She's a lot more than an hour away, and I'm sick of driving. This is supposed to be our honeymoon. Sarah, come on. Be reasonable. You know what? Go, if you want. I'll finish setting up camp. You're just going to sit in the rain and sulk. I'll be fine. This is ridiculous. Let's just get out of here. We could probably use a little space. We've been cooped up together in that car too long. Go on. Sarah, seriously. I'm actually leaving. I'm not stopping you. Go to your aunt's. Fine. Have it your way. I'm going. The rain stopped as soon as he left. I tried not to take that as a sign. I was able to get the tent up, the camp set, and my wet clothes drying by the fire pretty quickly when Steve was gone. I changed into some dry clothes and warmed myself up with some hot tea. Feeling pretty proud of myself, I listened to Hancock's radio show by the fire before bed. Search for Sasquatch radio show. I keep getting asked why I don't call it the search for Bigfoot. Bigfoot's a stupid name, made up by folks who don't know any better. The natives around here have other names for them. Some call them Semikawabs. The Iroquois call them Janasqua. But most of them call them Sasquatch. Bigfoot was only named that in 1958, but the natives have tales of these creatures going back thousands of years. These things have been living in the forests of America long before Europeans came. They'll probably be here long after we're gone. Most people dismiss Sasquatch's stories, fairy tales to scare the kiddies. But that's because most people have their eyes closed to the truth. They don't see, because they don't want to see. They blinded themselves to the truth behind the stories. But I know the truth. I've seen them. I've fought with them. An I finally put the fire out, went into my tent, and fell asleep. 
I didn't really think of Steve, which I guess is a bit odd in hindsight. I slept until the crash from outside the tent snapped me awake. The sounds came from just outside the tent. My heart was pounding. Frozen in terror by the tent flap, I was definitely thinking about Steve now. Wishing he was here. Or even better, my dad. I may have been angry at him for treating me like a child, but he was like a rock. Always there for me when I needed him. I don't know how long I was frozen there, but curiosity finally overcame my fear. The entire camp was completely destroyed. Clothes lined down, clothes scattered everywhere in the damp dirt. The chair was crushed, cooler overturned and clawed open. It looked like a bear had gone to town. I almost laughed in relief to be alive and unharmed. I shined my flashlight to check on the extent of the damage as I stepped out and explored and almost tripped over an enormous footprint. When I heard that sound, I froze again. Apparently, I'm in that particular fear reaction group. Why couldn't I be fight or even flight? Freezing seemed like a lame instinct that should have been left behind in an earlier branch of the evolutionary tree. I finally brought my flashlight towards the sound, and not six feet away was a creature straight out of my nightmares. Harry, vaguely humanoid and over eight feet tall, slightly conical head with a milky left eye and a scar running down that side of its face. The scar led to a gap in its upper lip that revealed a large, sharp tooth. I got to see the other equally sharp teeth as the light hit its eyes and it... <laughs> Sarah? I'm back. Sorry, babe, I shouldn't have left. My aunt made some cookies? Sarah? What happened? Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. Sarah, where are you, babe? Please be okay. Fuck. Oh, my God, oh, my God. Sarah! As soon as I saw the completely trashed camp and Sarah gone, I freaked. I didn't see any sign of her there, so I drove like a bat out of hell. Barely made it to the ranger's cabin without running into a tree. Though I hit the parked jeep out front when I slammed on the brakes too late. It wasn't too bad. The chief ranger came out to see what happened, still holding a mug of steaming coffee. What the hell? Jesus. Please. Whoa, steady there. You all right? You have to help me. What's going on? Sarah, my wife, please help. I think it was some kind of animal attack? It had to be. I don't know what else it could have been. There's a couple of bears been spotted in the area over the last few months, but there was no body? No, nothing. She's just gone. Should we get the cops? I'm the chief ranger. I think we better go have a look first. What a mess! 
You think it was a bear? Could have been attracted by the food, I guess. It's possible. She's dead? I didn't say that. No body, no blood. Bears don't typically clean up after themselves. I'm gonna call this in. Treat it as a missing person until we learn different. In the meantime, if there's anyone you gotta call, you should do it now. She's gone, Mr. Trembley. She just vanished. What happened? I don't know. How can you not know? Where the hell were you? I think the important thing is not to panic. The ranger I said- I asked you where you were when my daughter was being attacked by wild animals. I was visiting with relatives. You left her alone? She didn't want to come. And you just left her behind? In the woods, all by herself? Sarah's more capable than you give her credit for. She's a grown she's woman. She's my baby, and now she's missing, you little piece of shit. Widen the search for 20-year-old Sarah McCod, who vanished without a trace from her campsite two nights ago. A campsite that was violently ripped to shreds by what many believe to be some kind of wild animal. Volunteers have come from all across Northern California, and even as far away as Oregon and Washington State, for the search. Authorities feel confident that Sarah will be found, but whether alive or dead is the question that weighs heavily on everyone's mind. We've got three teams heading east along the bluff. They'll hook up with your boys when they hit the river. Over. How's the search going, Chief? Might have known I'd see you here, Hancock. You're gonna need my help, Merch. Doubt it. Because you don't believe. Bigfoot? <laughs> nope. <laughs> don't believe in aliens, either. If she was attacked, where is she then? It might have been staged. You think the husband did it? Wouldn't be the first time. Maybe. Or maybe I'm right. I recognized the car racing up to the campsite and felt my stomach drop. Sarah's parents. They were going to be pissed. I knew I was in for it. Shit. Mr. and Mrs. Trumbly, I'm so glad you made it. They have about a dozen teams. Who's in charge here? Chief Ranger Merch over there. You in charge? I am. Can I help you, mister? Bob Trumbly. Sarah's missing girls. She's near the parents. Yes. Is there any? Not yet. Steve tells me you're from Maine. That's right. I understand you're wanting to come out, but to be honest, there's not much you can do here. What happened? Steve said it was an animal attack? We think maybe bear. <laughs> Keep it to yourself, Hancock. I ain't saying anything. Y'all won't believe me anyway. But it was the Thunder Moon the other night. What's he talking about? Hancock, if you're not going to contribute anything useful, why don't you go home and finish getting shit-faced? Sure, Merch. You're the chief. But you better start listening to what I gotta say if you wanna find that girl alive. What is it, Burke? Damnest thing, Chief. They keep picking up some kind of trail, but every time they do, they wanna hightail it back to camp. I can't get more than a hundred yards out there. We tracked some bears last summer. No problem. Ain't seen nothing like it. You change your mind. You know where to find me. 
It took me a while to piece together exactly what happened. After I saw the creature, my scream helped break my own terrified paralysis, and I fled, running through the nearly pitch-black darkness and thick foliage. With a roar that almost froze me in my tracks again, the creature chased me, lungs straining, heart pounding in my throat. It kept gaining on me. I made it into a glade and tripped, slid down an embankment, hit my head and lost consciousness. Probably would have died there. But I was found. Sasquatch. That's the only thing that creature could be. The one that found me and carried me away was different, though. Smaller. No scar. I think it was female. I passed in and out of consciousness as it picked me up and carried me away. It was almost gentle, though my head throbbed as if it were bouncing me across the ground. I finally fully woke in a shallow cave. A crude poultice of mud had been placed on my head wound. It actually felt a bit better. I slowly remember what happened. Got up to sneak away when she appeared from the woods. Almost silent, she was seven feet tall and smaller overall than the first one, though she still had the same huge hands and feet. She was covered in reddish-brown fur and had the same slightly conical head. Her features resembled a great ape, but her eyes were surprisingly intelligent, almost human. And I screamed like a terrified child. No! No, Siva! Keep away! I found a branch and tried to hit her. She tore it out of my grasp and flung it away, but she didn't hurt me. Despite that, she made it crystal clear that I couldn't leave. Every time I tried, she'd catch me, pick me up, and deposit me back in the cave. Her strength was terrifying. Her stench was overwhelming. I don't know if it was the head injury or that smell, but I threw up and passed out again. When I came to, the creature was looming right over me. I'm sorry, please don't hurt me! It took a while for me to really understand that I was the creature's prisoner. It was firm, but surprisingly gentle. Maybe she thought of me as a pet, or a child. Or maybe she was protecting me from the other one, which would probably have torn me limb from limb at this point. I don't know why, but after a number of attempts, it was clear that I wasn't free to leave. So I waited until she fell deeply asleep and found myself wandering lost through the thick wilderness until I accidentally stumbled into a black bear's territory. It wasn't happy to see me. The black bear charged me and I knew that this was it until she saved my life. The Sasquatch smashed into the bear like a freight train with enough force that the black bear was deflected from its charge. I twisted my ankle trying to escape the two enormous creatures tearing at each other. The bear bit deeply into her shoulder, but she was able to smash it aside. I threw rocks at the bear. I don't know what I thought it would do. The bear ignored my feeble efforts. They fought while I tried to scramble away to safety until... Sasquatch broke the bear's neck with its massive hands, striking the bear's spine with tremendous force. 
The Sasquatch picked me up and eventually deposited me back in the cave. She was a bit annoyed with me after that, which I guess was understandable. The bite from the bear looked painful. She took a liking to a locket I wore with a picture of Steve in it. I let her have it. Didn't seem worth the effort. Besides, she just saved my life and got hurt in the process. I tried to take a look at her injury, but she growled and snapped her sharp teeth at me. She put a mixture of mud on the injury, like the one I found on my head when I woke. She also put it on my ankle, which was starting to swell and throb in pain. I was starving, exhausted, and ached everywhere. But I was lucky to be alive. This creature had saved my life. As I watched it study the locket and whistle in delight, I had a realization. Looks like I'm stuck with you. And since we don't speak the same language, I'm going to call you Lucy. Like the oldest human fossil. Lucy didn't seem upset by that. Not that she knew what I was saying. She left for a little while, but I was too hurt and scared to try to run off again. She returned with a full-grown deer carcass. It looked like she broke its neck with her bare hands. She ripped a hunk of flesh off and offered it to me to eat. I, I couldn't do it. As starving as I was, raw Bambi was not on the menu. Lucy didn't seem to understand at first, but she left again, and a little while later she returned. This time with a small pile of berries, mushrooms, and acorns. Honestly, they could have all been poison, and it wouldn't have stopped me. I devoured what she brought me so fast I almost made myself sick. I had to consciously slow myself down. It was possibly the most delicious meal I'd ever had in my life. Lucy seemed pleased with this and tore into the deer carcass, eating with me. The next morning we set out, though I had no idea where we were going. Lucy was insistent, keeping a close eye on me so I didn't wander off again. My ankle was swollen and made every limping step agonizing, but I did my best to keep up. The aerial search turned up nothing. Neither is the ground search. I'm sorry, Mr. Tremblay. Your daughter's chances of survival are... We have to keep looking. Our resources are being stretched pretty thin. I'm afraid I'm going to have to call off the search in the next few days. So that's it. You're abandoning her. I can't leave my little girl out there. I've been talking to the local sheriff. We're going to try to put some pressure on Steve. You think he did it? Mr. Tremblay? Admit it. You think he killed her and staged the campsite? His only alibi is a relative with a reputation as a drunk. I think it's a distinct possibility. Do it. Lock him up. Throw away the key. If he hurt her, I'll kill the son of a bitch myself. Uh, I'll, I'll pretend I didn't hear that. Look, Mr. Tremblay, we can lock him up. Hope he confesses or let something slip. But without a body, we can't really charge or hold him for very long. 
then we keep looking. I want my baby girl back, even if she's- I promise I'll keep the search going for as long as I can, but there's only so much I can do. The weather's about to turn and it gets cold real fast up here in these mountains. In comes the snow. After that, she doesn't have a chance of survival on her own anyway. I understand. But I want you to understand that I will never stop looking for her. Lucy led us to a small clearing. Her whistles were expressive. Maybe it was some kind of language? It certainly seemed to be some method of communication. When I heard... The responding whistles were coming from the clearing. Another Sasquatch emerged from hiding. Before that, it was practically invisible. I had no idea it was there, aside from the whistling. This one seemed to be male, over eight feet in height and covered in deep brown fur. Lucy seemed excited to see him. She entered the clearing. They clasped forearms and touched their heads to each other. They whistled some kind of greeting. I stayed hidden. He was obviously her mate. But what if he wasn't as friendly? I called him Charlie in my head. The name association with Lucy was too easy. I was surprised to hear another Sasquatch sound from behind the trees. Lucy looked up expectantly. But my surprise was nothing compared to the shock I felt when a small Sasquatch child with the same reddish-brown fur as Lucy's, a button nose and huge dark eyes ran out from the trees into Lucy's arms. This had to be her family. I called the child Linus because why not? Linus spotted me right away, looked curious, started to approach, looked back at Lucy who gave him an encouraging sound. Charlie was not so encouraging. That bark made Linus flee back to his mom. Lucy glared at Charlie, but he was glaring right back. I could tell I was the source of the friction, which made me all the more frightened. But Lucy calmed him down. By the time she was finished, he reluctantly seemed to accept the fact that I was traveling with them. Search for Sarah Mashad has officially been called off by Chief Ranger Merch and the Sheriff Department. We also have word that Steve Mashad, who is being held as a person of interest in the case, has been released on his own recognizance due to lack of evidence. It looks very much like the story of young Sarah has come to a tragic, if not foreseeable, end. Is it true? <sighs> They're calling off the search. I know. Steve told me you were planning on staying. That you're listening to that Hancock person. Steve, you talked to him? He said he didn't do it. He's responsible, whether he did it or not. Bob. Bob, you have to let this go. We can't keep hoping. I, I can't. Our baby is gone. I just want to go home and heal. I'm not going to leave her. This is only going to lead to more heartache. What do you want me to do? I'm going back to Maine. Do what you want. I watched the Sasquatch family hunt using intelligent teamwork, pounding sticks to frighten and corner deer. 
Watching them eat was not pretty, but I was a bit envious. I kept losing weight. The nuts, berries, and mushrooms weren't enough to sustain me. I even broke down and tried some of the raw deer meat, but it wouldn't stay down. I felt weak, lethargic. Lucy looked at me. I think it was with concern. The days blurred together. The nights were freezing. I shivered and my teeth chattered. I grew closer to them all. Even Charlie warmed to me. He tried to get more food for me, but I was not doing well. By a river, I tried to copy their language. I was convinced at that point that it was some sort of language. I guess I haven't picked up the lingo yet. Charlie caught fish by scooping them out of the river like a bear. He even caught me a small one. I was able to eat a little raw, but I didn't want to push it and throw it all up again. Linus and I had grown much closer at this point. We'd play games as we traveled, at least as much as I could summon the energy to do. He was a master at hide-and-seek. I never could find him. I wasn't getting their language, so I tried to teach Linus a little of mine. Sarah. Sarah. Close, but not quite. My name is Sarah. He pointed at me when I said that. Encouraged, I pointed up. Sky. Where is the sky? He pointed up. Now I was getting excited. I touched a tree. This is a tree. Tree. He went over to another tree and touched it. Did you just... Yes, yes, that's a tree. We both got pretty excited as I began pointing to the ground and the rocks and anything I could think of, naming them. Linus got it. I'd go back over them and he'd get it right every time. It was amazing. Lucy and Charlie just looked bemused by the whole thing. But Linus and I were really making progress. I was amazed by how fast he picked everything up. And he at least seemed to be having fun. At the time, I had no idea that Hancock was leading Burke and my father right to us. What? What did you find? They're scat. You mean that's genuine Bigfoot poop? That's what I said. You think that this is a joke? Why are you even here? Shit, mister. The rate you're paying? I'd be hunting down flying saucers if that's what you was into. Hell, you might even get lucky and run into a bear or whatever the hell ate your daughter. Sorry, uh, that came out wrong. I just want my girl back. What was that? What? I didn't see anything. There, I saw something. I I heard the gunshots and it shocked me almost as much as it did Lucy and her family. They froze when they heard it, and I followed suit. I was getting used to copying their behavior. It didn't come from very far away. Get away from him! I got you now, you son of a bitch! We're not finished. Help! You're still alive? 
You're a tough bastard, I'll give you that. Your back's broken. Probably got internal injuries way that big tossed you. I need help. Getting back. Ain't got time for that. Not when I'm so close. Just him and me now. Like it's supposed to be. Why did you bring us out here then? Fate. Wait. You can't just leave me here. <laughs> The scarred snaggletooth sasquatch that almost killed me ran into the glade and Charlie moved forward to confront him. I recognized him immediately. Unfortunately, he recognized me too and charged as soon as he spotted me. Charlie intercepted him. The two of them fought, smashing each other with their enormous hands. I was so distracted by the battle I didn't notice Hancock stalk into the clearing, but he noticed me. You're the girl. Thank God. We have to get out of here. Not yet. I got unfinished business. He fired at Snaggletooth and Charlie, not caring which he hit. One of his shots blew a hole in Charlie's shoulder. He aimed at Snaggletooth, but the scarred Sasquatch fled into the woods. Hancock switched his aim back to Charlie to finish him, but Charlie disappeared into the foliage. Hancock was frustrated, but then he spotted Linus. A little one. Be easier to drag you through these woods. Hold still. As I saw him about to shoot Linus, I charged Hancock from behind, growling like an angry Sasquatch. I hit him as he spun and fired, catching me in the shoulder and dropping me. Jesus, I thought you were one of them. Stupid. He turned back to Linus, took careful aim. I yelled to Linus, Tree! Damn it! Linus understood me and dove behind the nearest tree. Hancock's bullet smashed harmlessly into the trunk. You shouldn't have gotten in my way. He turned to go after Linus and didn't see Lucy. She grabbed him and knocked his gun away. Then Snaggletooth tackled Hancock and bit into his neck. Hancock pulled out a knife and stabbed him repeatedly. Snaggletooth bit a huge chunk out of Hancock's neck with his dying breath. There was blood everywhere. I watched Hancock shudder and die alongside his nemesis. Lucy, Linus, and Charlie reunited. I felt Lucy pick me up, but I started drifting in and out of consciousness. I saw my dad as I was carried away. He was still alive, and we locked eyes. He smiled, happy to see me alive. And then he coughed up blood and died. Chief Ranger Murch found him later, along with Hancock and Burke near the clearing. Lucy left me on a mound of soft dirt at a construction site on the edge of the forest. That was the last time I saw her or her family. I wish I'd gotten a chance to say goodbye, to thank her for saving my life, and for changing it completely. Aside from the gunshot wound, malnutrition, and exposure, I was in much better shape than the doctors expected. My mom was there when I woke up. She told me what my dad had done, how he never gave up on me. I met with Steve at a bar a few weeks after my dad's funeral. Sarah, God, I've missed you. He tried to hug me. I was stiff in his arms, 
Still fragile from my experience. I was so worried about you. So worried you had me declared dead? I, I, I didn't know what else to do. I, I thought you were... I'm sorry. But look, you're back now. We can start over. Maybe we shouldn't have started in the first place. Goodbye, Steve. I missed my dad. I couldn't really sleep for a long time after my experience. And even when I did, I had nightmares. My mom made me go to therapy, but I couldn't tell the therapist what really happened, not without sounding crazy enough to be committed. The therapist did offer some good advice, though. Publishers were pounding on my door for my story, offering me loads of money. She convinced me it was a good idea, so that I could put whatever I found out there behind me. I told her the truth. I didn't find anything. They found me. Fever Dreams, a pulp collection, is a production of Voyage Media. The series is produced by Nat Mundell, Robert Midas, and Dan Benamore, in association with Robert Lamb and Jack Austin of Seven Lamb Productions. This episode, Abducted by Sasquatch, was written, directed, and produced by Matt Altman, based on the screenplay by Jeffrey Knight from an original story by Elizabeth Burley. Editing and sound design by Jackson McLennan. Original music by Durlis Gonzalez, starring Annie Abrams as Sarah. Additional cast credits available in the show notes. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or anywhere you're listening, and subscribe now for future episodes. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. I'm Jonathan Pezza, the creator of the Curious Matter Anthology. And I'm betting you've probably never heard anything like our show. adapt stories from authors like Philip K. Dick, Andre Norton, and Robert Block into binaural audio movies that transport you to new worlds. Hey, get them out of here! That's it? You're banned for life? What's with Braxians? Seriously. Told you downtown was a bad idea. In our brand new season, we explore farther into the what-ifs. You think, in these instances, that somehow simply by believing things are different, they changed. Doubt. I don't follow. I doubt something, and um, they don't change, per se. They cease to ever have been. We delve deeper into the realms of horror and science fiction. Nerves of steel, boys. James, sir, please. There's no need for this. I do not believe that whatever that is can understand you. Robert, I know you are in there somewhere. If you are, we are... Ah! Ah! Made it through the barrier! It's gone over me! Beast! Just get to my knife! Ah! Ah!
available wherever you listen to podcasts. So sit back, grab your popcorn, and listen to the Curious Matter Anthology today.